0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith.
1: Um, I'm just incredibly proud. I didn't grow up with that word because I thought it was a bad word. <laughs> Like, if you're prideful, then you're going to fall. But it's proud in the way of just seeing God move in their lives and them allowing it. Right? It's a totally different thing than when you say, I'm so prideful in myself. I'm just proud of what they're allowing God to do. In them and through them. I mean, Bella and Zoe today, I cannot even. I think I cried for the last, like, two hours. It's just so good. But I'm so thankful for our junior leaders. If you don't know what a junior leader is, you'll probably see older kids in shirts like these. And they do it all. I say that with, with knowing that literally if, I, if anything were to happen to me, I don't even think that I would ask anyone to take over. I'd be like, they already know. They're going to do it. Um, they do it all. From small groups with your kids. When your kids come home and you say, what did you learn today? And they start to tell you, thank a junior leader that they sat down with them and spent time going over God's word in detail with them. Um, They lead worship. They handle all of our AV. They help serve in our preschool. If they're 16 and over, then they help serve in our nursery. There is not a place in the ministry that they basically can't touch. Because at the end of the day, y'all, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to make it forever. And I want to leave this world in capable hands so that they can do a greater job than I am. And so today, I don't know, like, I was like, I could feel the anointing. Like, it was so strong. And I think about it, and I think, what if at the age of eight you were doing that? Like, J.D.'s up here worshiping, leading you guys into the throne room of heaven at the age of eight? Come on. Now, imagine at 28 what she's going to be doing. And hey, well done, parents, for getting your kids in church and making it consistent. Consistency matters, right? Because if you only talk to your baby every couple of weeks, it wouldn't learn to speak. So if you don't get your kids into church, they're not going to know what the Word of God says either. Come on, come on. I love you guys enough to tell you the truth. It makes a huge difference. That's a huge difference, right? Because we didn't have to tell them, like, hey, when you get up there at worship, put your hands up. That's natural. They just love Jesus, that's from being in His presence. There's a difference in his presence. And so can we just do this? If you are on the kids, actually, if you serve and you're a kid in the house, a student in the house, in set up or tear down, will you stand up? Now this is like 7 a.m. Holly, David, Luke, Christian, Bella, Jelena, DJ, Jade. Come on. Come on. Where's Alice? Alice is out here. Come on. Now, stay standing for a minute. If you are a junior leader and you serve at one of our services, would you stand up? I know it's hard to see. Come on. There's David. We got two Davids and two Christians. We like to keep it, you know, in pairs of two. Now, I'm just saying, look around, guys. Look around. Here's who is carrying the church right here. They get here before you. You didn't even know. They set up and prepared for you today. Timothy. Now, Timothy, you got to stand up. You help us with teardown. Come on, how many of you started ministry when you were four? Timothy did. He's a lot older than that now. Come on, I'm so thankful for a generation who isn't waiting wow. to be given the reins. Come on. They're in it. Their moms and dads are in it. And some of them, I will even say I have a couple junior leaders, their parents don't even show up. They come because they have a heart for the house. Wow. They want to serve our God. They find him worthy. Isn't that amazing? They're not out late on Saturdays and then like, I can't get up on Sunday. Some of y'all need to take notes on that from them. I'm just saying. You can live your life anyway, but you only get to live it once. I'm so thankful that they're learning to live it in this way. Because how many know our lives are a vapor? That's it. We have eternity. (laughs) We forget that a lot. Eternity is really long. It's never ending. So what we do in this life kind of matters a lot, and it's the shortest part. So thank you, junior leaders. Thank you, Victory Kids, for leading us today and for continuing the vision. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask Bella and Jelena to come up here, give them a big hand as they come on up here. In case you uh, didn't realize, this is the vision of the church. Is the next generation, and we exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose, and we accomplish that vision by helping people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose so they can make a difference, and what we have to realize is that as adults, sometimes we think that it's about us. I've had so many conversations with people that, well, I need my position. I need to make sure that I, what I'm doing. And if we're not careful, we can slip into the place where i got to protect my role and my position. Because if somebody else comes along, then what am I going to do? Anybody? But, like, no, our job as leaders in whatever role we find ourselves in is, is basically to work yourself out of a job. And here's what you need to understand. This is where the enemy lies, the devil. It's not to push you out. It's not to send you out to pasture or say you don't have a role or a job anymore. No. It's just the opposite. As a as a what a leader does, a leader is obsessed with finding somebody else that they can raise up to a place to go and do something great. They're fi- they're obsessed with finding someone and helping propel them go further than they could ever go. That's who we are. That's the vision because we're just the people that are the leaders now. We're just sitting in the roles now. But if we do this right, If we do this thing called church and leadership right, then this is the leaders of the future. This is the leaders now even, and they will be the ones to carry the church, grow it bigger than we ever could, and help reach a harvest for the name of Jesus. Amen? And so I just got to remind us sometimes that we're all about the next generation. Amen? So proud of you guys! And so we asked uh, two of our students, Bella and Jelena, to be part of helping us to share the message today. Uh, we wanted to do it a little different this year, and so we're got, we got some questions we want to ask you guys. You guys ready for that? Once you start and tell us your name, tell us what grade you're in, and tell us <laughs> tell us how you tell us something interesting about yourself.
2: Uh, Okay, so hey everybody, I'm Bella, if you don't know me already. Um, I am in 11th grade, and um, I don't know, I am a fun person. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know what's interesting about me, I can't think of this on the spot. Um, That's true, I really, I don't like cheese, like really on anything. Except for pizza. Except for pizza, and like, I'll eat a quesadilla. But, like, no cheeseburgers, I don't know, no grilled cheese either, no, none of that,
3: yeah. (laughs) Um, My name is Jelena, I'm in 10th grade, and um, um, something interesting about me, not sure, yeah, oh yeah, in school I'm running for junior treasurer in school, yeah. Yes. And,
0: yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I wanted to share a scripture real quick as we get started because I believe this is the Jesus generation. Yes. A lot of people have called it a lot of things: the millennials, X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, this is not a generation that's focused on pronouns. This is not a generation of uh, can't do anything right. This is the Jesus generation. And I love what um, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Where are all my young people at? <laughs> Come on. I know there were some young at heart people in there too. That's all right. I see you. The Apostle Paul, he's writing the scripture to uh, a young man, a guy named Timothy, who was about 20 years old. And um, Paul would travel around to cities and start churches, and then he would raise up a, a young person as a pastor and leave them in charge as he moved on to the next city, and that's what happened to Timothy. Timothy spent time with Paul. Paul had trained him and mentored him, and then Paul's like, see you, Timothy, I'm going on. You stay here. Lead this church. But as a a young 20-something, not everybody in the church apparently was excited that Timothy was a leader. Not everyone uh, thought that Timothy was worthy to lead because apparently Timothy needed some encouragement. Apparently some people looked at Timothy and would be like, what can you tell me? You're so young. I don't need to listen to you. I'm a grown-up and you're a kid. And apparently, that's not the way we're meant to be in the church. And Paul is writing to Timothy, Pastor Timothy, young person Timothy, I need to remind you, don't let somebody look down on you because you're young. Just because you're a kid doesn't mean that God isn't speaking to you. God is speaking to you now. Just be, You don't have to wait until you're older for God to move through your life. You don't have to wait till you're older to, to share your faith with somebody, to pray with somebody. Don't let somebody look at you and disqualify you because they're not the one who called you and anointed your life. God has called you for such a time as this. So don't let anyone push you aside because you're young. Come on. And all the young people, shouted, amen. So Paul, Paul instructs Timothy, he said, don't be discouraged if someone thinks less of you. Don't, don't think less of yourself. He says, here's what I want you to do instead. I need you to set the example for all the other believers who should know better. All the other believers who've gotten complacent. All the other believers who are kicked back and being critics in their seats. No, he says, I need you to set the example for believers in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in faith, and in purity. Come on, that's the cry of a generation right there. And notice that it doesn't say talk back to them, insult them. No, he says, I need you to be the example on how you talk. Come on. This is what, as a church, we're all here to do, is to help raise up a generation to live this way. So we're not going to belittle them. We're not going to hold them back. We're going to fling the doors wide open here at Victory. I can't speak for every church, but I can speak for this one. The door is open. The opportunities are available here. If God is moving on your heart, God is speaking, we're going to do everything we can to throw fuel on that fire, right, and, and, and see what God can do. I believe even in that there are people in this house who you know there's a call of God on your life to be involved with this generation because there is a generation that needs you. There's a generation of young people, of kids and teenagers and college students who need couples who can open up their homes, meet them at at a pizza shop and say, hey, I'll buy you pizza if you'll show up. You know, I think the biggest thing about raising up a generation is just being faithful to be there. No one's asking you to be a Bible scholar, to have theology degrees on your wall. Sometimes we get so fixated on all these outward things when, man, if you'll just show up every week and just love them and just be there for them, man, what a difference you could make. It's important that we rise up. And so as we get started today, um, I felt to... Just ask you guys, what does it mean to be a Jesus generation? How do you, in a a crazy world, right, how do you live for Jesus at your school or wherever you go? How do you live for Jesus?
2: Um, So I would say definitely one thing is that at my school, I had the privilege to get to be on our praise band team, actually with Zoe. It's super awesome. Um, But one thing that... um, I would say sets us apart is that when we get up on stage, we don't just rush through the set we're not just singing um the people in the crowd might be just singing or not singing at all and just staring at us like this kind of like zombies and it's kind of it's kind of scary, right because there's all these people and but the thing is that we don't just stand up there and we don't just sing, but we actually get to worship in our school. And even I've actually had the privilege to help start a worship night at school. Um, and it's just so amazing to be in the presence of those kind of people who get to actually lead instead of just singing.
0: That's so good. Jelena, what about you? How do you live for Jesus at your school?
3: Well, in school, personally, I don't go to a private school, but I do go to a public school, which there are a lot of, I'm not saying every school is perfect, like, there are things you're going to see here and there, but a major thing I face is, like, cursing, and I know there are a lot of people in my school that will curse, and personally, I don't curse because I like to keep, like, my relationship with God and my faith with him strong that I find my, like, I find cursing not a thing to do, and so, like, when friends or people around me will curse, they will look at me, like, well, sorry I did that, and I'm like, well, it's okay, like, but Personally, I'm not going to do that because my faith with God is strong, and I would like to keep it that way. Come on. Wow. Aren't you glad for boldness?
1: Like, when you're known for something like that, that's awesome that you're known at your school. Like, your reputation is, she's not going to do those things. She's a follower of Christ. Come on, that's awesome.
0: That's good. That's, a, that's something we could all write down. <laughs> you know, because I think that's the thing. What does it mean to be a Jesus generation? I think when you, look at, when you look at it, the biggest thing is, being, is living holy. Yeah. And before you get all wigged out, I know people have taken the word holy and made it all kinds of things. But when you translate it back in the original language, holy literally means set apart. That's all it means. It's not so scary now, is it? It's not like you've got to wear a button-up collar up to here and, and, some, and dress down to your ankles. Like That's man-made nonsense. Yeah, come on. Holy means set apart from common use. Um, I am a shoe guy. I love to find shoes. Anybody else? I might have passed that on to my child. Anybody else? Like, uh, and as I thought about this whole thing of, of living holy, living set apart, you know, it's, it'd be like if you saved up your money to buy a brand new pair of shoes, anybody? Or, or that brand new pair of jeans with holes in it, or whatever it is. You know, maybe you, you, you saved up money to buy these Brand new pair of J's. Juliana. you know what I'm talking about. And, but you also have other pairs of shoes, the ones you wear every day, the ones you take the trash out in or do the yard work in, the ones you wear all the time that are just your everyday common shoes, you know. But the ones that you saved up all this money to buy, the nice fancy J's, you know, look. you clean those a little bit, make sure no scuffs get on them. I mean, we talk about not getting creases across the toes, right, because those shoes are set apart from everyday common use. That's holy, living holy. So if we're going to be a Jesus generation, if we're going to be a church that is all about Jesus, then it starts by living holy, realizing that we are set apart from common use. And one of the greatest examples of this, I think, in the Bible is David, is the story of David. And so I want to look at a couple different stories real quick today, just from David, and, and then I'm going to ask you guys to some questions based on the story of David. The first time... We see David, he's a teenager, 10 to 15-year-olds. Where am my 10 to 15-year-olds at? Come on, 10 to 15-year-olds, wow. stand up. Come on, you are David. You are boys and David's girls right on. after God's own heart, 10 to 15-year-olds. That's how wow. old David is when come on. the prophet Samuel comes to his neighborhood knocking on the door, hey, God sent me to your house to anoint you to be the king. Can I you tell can you? You can sit down, it's okay. You can sit down, my 10 to 15-year-olds. You guys are awesome. They're like, what next? (laughs) I would just tell you God has anointed you too, Maya. God has anointed you. Come on. God has anointed you. Is that Alexandria sitting right there? God has anointed you. He's called you. Jade, DJ, God has anointed you and called you. Just as Samuel came to David, he says he broke the horn of oil over David as a physical representation of his being anointed as the king. But we know the story that Israel already had a king. So here's this kid who God has called and God has anointed, said, you're going to be the king. You're going to you're somebody who loves me. But there was already a king in place. So it wasn't like David could just be like, take me to the palace now. I'm the king. No, what's interesting about David is he's called, he's anointed by God. He even knows what he's supposed to do. You're going to be the king, and yet he never presumes anything more about himself. He never says, all right, do what I say. Everybody bow down. No, what does he do? The very next place we see David, after he's anointed the king, he's back out in the middle of nowhere doing the thankless, unnoticed job of watching his father's sheep. They didn't even belong to him. They were his father's sheep, and there he is out in the middle of nowhere, watching his father's sheep. And I think it's it's so interesting because it's in that place that he managed to not get distracted, not become fearful, not think, oh, it'll never happen for me. He managed to live in the, uh, a life separate, a holy life while he was waiting to become the king.
1: Yeah, I would even say, um, if you don't know the backstory of this, you need to go back because a lot of people just skip ahead to David and Goliath. But one important thing about David is that actually when the prophet came to his house and asked his father to bring out his sons, David's forgotten. Like, he presents all but one. And it's David. And it's so important, you know, it's like Pastor Chris was just saying, we need father figures because sometimes we forget that there's a lot of us, Pastor Chris and I included, who didn't grow up with that father figure for different reasons. But David is out in the field doing what he's told to do. He's carrying the weight of what he's supposed to be doing. And when the prophet comes, his dad's like, here are all of my sons. And he's like, uh, this must be the one. He looks good. No, this one. No. God's like, no, 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 no. He had a lot of sons. It's like eight. But the thing is, he, God speaks to him and he says, none of them. And finally, the prophet has to ask Like, think about that for a minute. And he says, is there another one? Do you have another son? Like, that's cold. Um, And so he says, oh, yeah, but it's just David. He's out in the field doing what he's supposed to do. And I'm so thankful for those who do what they're supposed to do, right? Those who are faithful among us and carry the weight even when other people don't see it. Because nobody saw David, he just kept doing it. He kept doing it, kept caring for the sheep as he was supposed to. And so I just love that about this story and I'm so thankful in our junior leaders how they do that even when you don't see, right? Like none of you probably have seen them caring for kids, taking them to bathroom breaks, wiping their faces and their snot a lot and all of the other stuff. But um, I think we have a question for you. I got off track, I'm sorry. What is our question? We're almost there. Oh, I got ahead of myself. Sorry, right? guys. Because
0: the next time we see David is the most famous part of David's life. Anybody know? David carrying cheese. versus Goliath. Yeah, he's carrying cheese. Some he's a glorified that pizza delivery boy. His dad says, take this bread and cheese pizza to your brothers in the guys, army. Guys, he was
1: already anointed at this point. Yeah. Like, he's anointed, and his dad's like, the only thing you are good for is a delivery. So Uber get going go go uber eats and take this to your brothers
0: yeah and and sometimes that's like in our microwave world we get so fixated on how quick did i get to the place where i think i'm supposed to be Hmm. that's not god's process yeah god's process is the slow cooker the crock pot you might be called you might be anointed you are but you it doesn't mean you're the next day you're in that place there's a process to walk through in fact it was almost 15 years from the time where david was anointed the king before he actually became a king wow here he is the most famous part of his life you can read the story of first samuel 17 describes the scene as david is bringing the pizza to his brothers says to the valley of elah which in our if you look at the map today that's right outside of tel aviv israel Right, That's where it was. And on one side of the valley, you had a a mountain ridge with all of the Israelites and their army on one side. And on the other side of the valley, on the other mountain, there was all the armies of the Philistines. And they were fighting against each other, but it was going nowhere. And so the Philistines had the idea. Instead of fighting and and all of our soldiers dying, we're just going to send the biggest, baddest, undefeated champion that we have to come out and fight whoever you guys deem worthy. And whoever wins, the winner will, will rule over over the losers the rest of their lives. And so the Philistines sent out Goliath. Come on, everybody say Goliath. Okay, but this time just the kids. Let me hear you say Goliath. That was good. Goliath comes out 40 days and 40 nights, and he's taunting the armies of Israel. And what happens? The Israelites, because God had been with them, were so brave, weren't they? No. they were. It says they were terrified terrified. In our day and times, they were anxious, panic attacks, depressed. They needed some Xanax because they weren't sleeping at night. They couldn't adult that day or whatever it was. You know, I just need to sleep in. I just, I can't even sleep in because I couldn't go to sleep, right? That's where they were. They were afraid. No one was trusting God. No one was doing what God had called them to do. They were afraid, including King Saul. And here comes David, the pizza boy, the only one who was willing to step up and do what God was had asked us to do trust him just trust me Goliath is like you're taunting him like you come at me with sticks and stones you you kid with a slingshot but David said I I come at you in the name of the Lord I don't need to come at you with anything other than that David was courageous in that moment and we know he threw the slingshot and knocked the giant over and then savage David went over and cut off the giant's head come on this David was savage I don't care what y'all say and I'm just, I'm just telling you, young people, God has called you to act in the same way. Be bold in your faith. To rise up and to take some things out that have been holding you back and allow God to move in your life. So, Jolene, I have a question for you. Are you ready? Yeah. How do you, as a young lady, live your life to trust God and not live in fear when others don't?
3: Well, I'm going to start off with me personally. I like to explain and reason with people and explain to them why I believe in something or why I'm going to do something. And so when people are fearful, I, I let them know and I'm like, well, there's nothing to fear. And just like with David, if you have that faith with God, it's like there's nothing you should fear because... God is it all. God has it all, and He will give it to you if you accept it and just trust in Him with all you do. Come on. So that's how I do that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know, in like in the in the world we live in today, I, like there's like a lot of apps and things like like TikTok or Instagram, and I'm familiar with Instagram. I'm not too familiar with TikTok, though, but I know there's, like, videos and things like this, and there are people that will just, like, listen to the music, and I'll, and especially, like, when my cousins or my friends, because I'm that role model, because I want to be that role model for them, I will let them know why what they're listening to is not right and why they should not be listening to it, because I want to set an example for them, and I want them to learn in the word of God and not be afraid to take what God says and even teach their friends as well to trust in God. So, yes. So
1: when we first, uh, when Juliana first started at the church, she was at like the tipping point of becoming a junior leader. And I remember the first time, that she came in and uh, I, you know, you just know sometimes you can look at someone and you can see an anointing. But how many know a lot of times we miss our own anointings cause we're too scared to step into them? And so I remember talking to her and I was like, you need to be a junior leader. And she was like, she has this look when I ask her things and she's unsure <laughs> and she's like, and I was like, no, I really think you should be. And she said, I can't talk in front of anyone. Wow, come on David, way to get out there even when it's hard. That's amazing to me, like this is the anointing of God, right? It's different than just us pushing ourselves. Um, She gave me the same look when I said, I think you need to speak at youth on the weekend, she said, and I knew that was the look, and then she came back, she said, I think I'm supposed to. Don't you think she was supposed to? Come on, (laughs) Way, way to knock down the fear, right? I love the part of David's story. With David and Goliath, I think we kind of skim over some things. But one of the main things that has always stood out to me isn't that just that David was a kid. David was a kid. But all of the adults and all of his older brothers wow. stood around while he took charge. Wow. Yeah. Come on. And I'm so thankful for the kids that are in this room who have done the same. And I love, I love every Sunday I have at least one to two kids who come and their parents aren't here. But they make sure that they're here. And I don't even ask anymore, like, hey, mom and dad didn't drop you off? No. Now I just look at them and give them a high five because they're showing their parents the way. They're standing up when other people sat down. And I can think of a couple kids, even in this room right now, who, if it weren't for them, their parents wouldn't be in church. So well done, kids. Taking that anointing of David and showing up. Come on. Come on.
0: Yeah, that's good. Juliana, we're proud of you. So proud of you. Hey, when we were talking the other night, you shared something with us from the book of James. Can you share that with yes. us? Yes. That was good.
3: So in James 1, 5 through 6, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must give and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind, which I kind of like summed it up for myself, and I want to share with you guys. And it's like we have the ability to do what is right when others don't, and God believes in us so much that we are capable of doing what is right even when it may not seem easy. Come
0: on. Way to break it down though. That's awesome. that was good. Come on. Y'all enjoying this so far? So we know David kills Goliath with the slingshot, cuts off his head, and now David is famous. Not the king, just famous. Fame will mess you up (laughs) if you are not connected to the Lord. And Saul was still the king and yet david is gaining in popularity and fame everyone loves david they're singing songs about david saul's uh, son jonathan becomes best friends with david saul's daughter falls in love with david wants to marry him and Saul's getting, starting to feel a certain kind of way about David. You know, he's starting to get a little salty, starting to hate David. Saul becomes so jealous of David that we have actually 21 times in, recorded in the Scripture that he tried to kill David. He threw spears at him. He hired assassins to come hunt David down. Even Saul led the army, 3,000 members of the army, to find David and kill him. It's a crazy town. And so David is literally running for the hills, running from mountain to mountain, cave to cave, trying to just escape with his life. And really, this is the picture of, of the person who only cares about their position, who only cares about how it affects them. Well, what about me? This is my job. I'm supposed to do this. That, that's Saul. That's the spirit of King Saul is, is jealousy and what it will drive us to do. And what's, what's crazy is that King Saul should have known better. He was the older, the wiser one, had known God, had seen God do great things, and yet he opted for the proud, selfish choice. And I wonder how many times, (laughs) I know in my life, too many times I've made the proud, selfish choice. But for me and my house, come on, anybody. As for me and my house, we will make the choice to invest in the next. We will make the choice to rise up and say, Hey, I wanna see you succeed. Because the reality is, it's not us versus them. It's not one generation better than the next. It's not to push one out. Listen, young generation kids, you need the old generation. Old generation, come on, you need the young generation. We need one another. We need business leaders who have been successful to come alongside those who are raising up and teach them how to start a business and to raise millions, you know, so that they can help advance the kingdom of God. We need people who can come alongside and say, this is how you grow in ministry, and this is how you help people. We need people who can come alongside the uh, single-parent kids who are are just on their own, who don't have a mom or don't have a dad in their life, and say, I will be a spiritual father. I will be a spiritual mother to you. I mean, I'm a product, and my wife is, of, of spiritual fathers in our lives. I wouldn't be who I am today without my spiritual fathers that were there for me when I needed a shoulder to cry on, that helped me to... Teach me to change the oil in my car because I blew out the engine. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, I still remember the man who gave me my first socket set, and I still have it. Spiritual father in my life. Those who taught me the word and was like, hey, I know this is a rough time for you, but, hey, this is what the word of God says about who you are. Yeah, that's so important. And there's those of us in this room that are called to be that for this generation, and we've been on the sideline. I'm calling you up today. I'm calling you up today. Don't let fear hold you back any longer. David, he's so freaked out. He's running for his life. He's hiding from cave to cave. And one such occasion, David and his men are hiding in this cave, in the very back of the cave, because Saul is on his trail. And actually, it says that as David and his men were in this one specific cave, that Saul came into the cave not knowing that David and his men were in there because he needed he needed a bathroom break. Party time. And so Saul is in this cave. <laughs> the Bible is so funny, y'all. You just got to read it that way. Saul is in, the, in this cave taking a bathroom break. Didn't know David was in there and his men. And so David and his men start creeping up. And they're like, David, David, there's your enemy right now. God brought him into your hands to kill him. Take him out, David. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. They're cheering him on. David, you can do it. We're with you. God, God is with you. Kill your enemy. You, he deserves it. He's been trying to kill you. You should take him out. You should just gossip behind his back. You should just spread some lies. and We're just going to talk about him and he'll never find out about it. There's always the opportunities, those that will be there to push you into something. But David was a man of integrity and he wouldn't kill Saul, but he did cut off a corner of Saul's robe and David was so living in the fear of the Lord, he was so convicted by just cutting off that little corner of Saul's robe that he was overwhelmed in a minute and came out and actually got on his hands and his face before Saul and repented for even cutting off the corner of Saul's robe while Saul was there to kill him. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And so I have a question for you, Bella. Because David is showing extreme honor to his enemies and to those who are his leaders. How do you show honor to leaders, to teachers, coaches, friends, people, when they don't deserve it, and especially when friends tell you to do otherwise? How do you show honor?
2: Um, Well, I would say one thing first is that honor sometimes, actually not sometimes, all the time is really hard to show because it's normally in the moments where no one's watching and i think um even as you were talking i thought of that phrase you know what what they don't know doesn't hurt them right we said oh it's okay don't tell your boyfriend what he doesn't know doesn't hurt him right um but it's not true because it affects who you are i think Um, When we choose to either show honor or show dishonor, it says a lot about who you are. And that's what I really saw in the story of Saul and David is that in both of their character, what they chose to do, I mean, Saul is going crazy, right? I can't even imagine trying to, like, kill someone, right? (laughs) But Sir is throwing, like, spears at David while he's, like, playing an instrument for him. David's serving Saul. But Saul is like literally throwing spears at his head trying to kill him. He's chasing him into the forest. He's, he's chasing him into corners, caves, trying to do his best to get rid of David because he's scared. Right? But in all of this, it showed who Saul really was on the inside. And um, I think in that too, where David is not retaliating in anger, instead he's responding in love, it also magnified even more so who David was. Because he kept his integrity. I had this similar kind of experience in my own life where I had um, a softball coach who was, I don't want to say like Saul because he was not trying to kill me. Um, But he had that kind of spirit in him where everything we did, even if we made the best triple play you have ever seen, ever, in the history of ever, he would somehow find something bad about it. And he would say something like, Oh my gosh, you guys are the worst. You should just quit softball. You stink at it. I don't know why you're even out here. And in the moments where he wasn't there, it was really hard because my team would turn around and, Oh, I hate Coach so and so. I can't believe he talks like that. Oh, I can't believe this, and blah, blah, blah. He made the worst call. But because I didn't say that, because I, instead defended my coach, right? Because he's still in leadership in my life. I might not like it, but he's still in, and he's above me, right? And so because I kept my integrity and instead defended him, it showed who my character was. And two, I think like um, the voice of dishonor is not gonna come, hey, it's okay, just do it. It's not gonna come quiet. It's gonna be like, huh, everyone else is talking about them, so you might as well too. But I think we also have to think like, hey, if I choose to show dishonor, am I acting in love? It's an easy no. Never is the answer going to be yes to that, right? Um, So I think that's one important thing that I always try to ask myself is, if I choose to do this, A, am I acting in love? Well, obviously not, (laughs) right? Because acting in love is not tearing someone else down and it's not shoving down leadership. But two, also, if I choose to show either dishonor or honor in this moment, what does that say about me? So I would say those are the two questions that I ask myself. That's good. <laughs> That's
1: good. Guys, I get to do life with these people. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I would just, I'd piggyback on that because it's so good what Bella said. Like, there's times in our lives where it's easier To take that, like, downward slope, right? Like, even as an adult. Like, I'm out of high school. Thank you, Jesus. I'm praying for you guys. Um, But it still happens in our everyday lives, even as adults, where people will come around you and they're like, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Mm. Or did you hear how they handled that situation? Mm. And it's so easy because, like she said, it's never like the quiet whisper in the back of your head. Hardly ever is there a time where there's dishonor because it's like hey, that was really bad, because then we'd be like, "Ah, it wasn't that bad, right? But it's usually when it's like, did you hear so-and-so? Mm-hmm. And it can be so hard in those places, and I know in Bella's life, as we've been um, so blessed to be her parents, one thing that we've always said is when it comes up, tear it down, right? Like you need that David spirit in that time. Whether it's a coach, and that's really hard. Like, y'all, as parents, if you're a parent in the room, then you understand the heartache. When your kid comes home crying and you're like...
0: I want to punch somebody.
1: Hand me the spear. Just hand it to me. We're going. Like, um, And instead, you're like, we'll talk about that later. But let's show honor to that person, even though they're tearing you down as a middle schooler or a high schooler. Yeah. we got to do better than that. But also on the same, you know on the same line, as we've always taught Bella, and hopefully she'll take this with her through adulthood, is that your reaction is your reaction. Yeah. We, are, we can't change other people. Only Jesus gets to do that, and they have that so choice. Good. But we have the choice if we're going to participate, if we're going to uh-huh. get down to their level, if we're going to act like that. And even in those moments, like, y'all, she was handling it better than we were at some points. We were in the stands, and I was like, we're not coming back next week. <laughs> Pastor Chris is like, we're coming back next week. I'm like, I'm going to be the coach. I can't throw a ball, but it's going to happen, right? Like, It's hard, right? And then you get in the car, parents, and you shut it down because we're raising a generation for Jesus and not according to our feelings, right?
0: Yeah, a big part of that is just our reaction in those moments. Yeah. They're watching. How we respond? Do we respond in offense? Do we respond just in, well, we're just going to get this off our chest while we're driving home. We're going to vent a little bit. Well, don't be surprised then very long after when that's how your kids are responding. To you. Come on. But if you choose to have extreme honor, if you have a, a household that chooses to honor, I mean, nothing that Saul did was honoring to David. David gave his life risked his life to defeat Goliath, to lead the army, to do whatever the lead, his leader asked him to do. But his leader never brought honor to him. And I know our American culture tells us otherwise. Well, if they don't honor you, you better find somewhere. Like, like no, like that's not, we're not here just for American culture. We're here for the kingdom culture. Yeah, we're here to on. be citizens of heaven. And so we've got to begin to shift and become people of honor no matter what's being done to us. Because honor is not a, about what's being reciprocated. Honor is what's coming out of me. And so as we get ready to close today, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Um, I just I felt to take just a moment um, here on Youth Owns the Weekend and just to remind you, whether you're young, whether you're old, listen, if you have breath in your lungs, you are called by God. Yeah. You are anointed by God for this time, yeah. for this moment. God has brought you here in East Orlando. 2023. You are supposed to be here to make a difference, to live set apart, to raise somebody up, to know him more so that God would be glorified through our lives. I love how the Apostle Paul, he would regularly call people his sons and his daughters, but he didn't have biological sons and daughters. He would regularly call people his, like he called Timothy, you are my true son in the faith. He said, you are sons and daughters of God, but you are sons and daughters of mine in the faith. There's this familial structure Paul was putting into the church. We are sons and daughters of God, but we also have spiritual mothers and fathers. And so as he writes to Timothy, he tells him that. He says, Timothy, you're my true son in the faith. He had spent time with him. He had introduced him to Jesus, had taught him how to lead, taught him how to go through difficult times. And when, when what we have as the book of the Bible called Second Timothy was actually a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. It's actually the very last thing that Paul would write before he would die. So he's getting ready to die. He's, he's lived his uh, whole adult life through his ministry, and he's an old man now getting ready to die, and he's writing the last words he would say on earth to Timothy, writing instructions to him. And he says, you're my true son in the faith, Timothy. In this he says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Sometimes we just need to pause and speak that into our children. You have sincere faith. Come on. I'm just here to remind you. Bella, you have sincere faith. Jelena, you have sincere faith. Come on, look at your kids sitting beside you and tell them right now, you have sincere faith inside of you. This is how we speak life into a generation. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your, grand- and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded it now lives in you. See, there is a generational transfer that takes place. Whether we strategically pass our faith on or whether we pass something else on, something is being transferred from generation to generation. And I don't know what was transferred from generation to generation in your family. I know what was transferred in mine. And I I just made the decision. I might well not be perfect, but I will not pass this along. This brokenness stops with me. I didn't receive everything I wanted or had everything I wanted, but I will be those things to the next. Yes. I will pass faith, sincere faith into my next generation. And some of us need to get to that place where we have some fight in us enough to say I don't know what's, whatever's been passed on to me. It stops with me. I will pass sincere faith to the next generation. And, and I will start this train. I will be the grandmother, the grandfather that's written about generations from now that says I know there was sincere faith in your grandfather Chris. I know there was sincere uh, faith that was in your grandmother Stacy that was passed along and now it lives in you as well. And like we need to rise up and pass this along. I don't know like, if you've ever asked that question, mom and dad, am I doing this right? <laughs> Come on. We're, we're not going to do everything right, but we're going to do some these things right. Paul is teaching us, right? He's teaching us that the blessing of sincere, genuine rubber meets the road. I can make it through some hard things, bet the farm, risk-taking kind of faith is strategically, deliberately, passed on from generation to generation. He tells us how this happens in the next verse. He says, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So there was a moment that Paul laid his hands on Timothy and transferred faith. There was a moment where Paul laid his hands on Timothy and the gifts of God inside of him were stirred up. And what we have is a generation that's been developed, that's been looked upon, said, you better be better. You better not do that. You better be this. Or they've been passed the device and said, here, don't bother me right now. But we need to take the time on a regular basis to lay hands on them. Say, there's sincere faith inside of you. There's the gift of God inside of you. Maybe you don't know much. If that's all you know to do, start right there. And then, when they go to bed, get in the Word and figure out, okay, God, what are the gifts of God? How do I develop this more? Get in a group, come be part of Next Steps, whatever that is, so that then the next day, when they're like, but what is my gift, Mom? What is my gift, Dad? Well, let's discover it together. This is what it's going to take to raise up a generation. It's not just, we just showed up on a Sunday. No, we've got to get in their world. We've got to be strategic. We've got to create spiritual moments of transferring faith into them, building them up. He says, fan into flames, the gift of God. So in other words, you're fanning something into flames. What is it? A passion for Netflix? A passion for me time? A passion for whatever pops into your world? Or... Are you fanning into flames the gift of God in their lives? He says, for the spirit God gives us does not make us timid or afraid, but gives us power, love, and a self-discipline. So I wanted to take this moment that we have right now and do this very thing. And so I just felt as I was praying about this day, you know, I had spiritual fathers and now God has allowed me to be a natural father, but also he's allowed me to be a spiritual father here at Victory. And so I just felt to take this moment. and I want to invite any of the kids, young people, teenagers, college students. If you want to come down, I'm going to lay my hands on you. We're, we're going to lay our hands on you. And there's going to be a transference of faith. There's going to be a fanning into flames. And so I'm just asking, if you want to come down to the front, To come down to the front right here and just crowd in around you. And in just a moment, we're going to lay hands on you and begin to speak the word of God into you. That's all right. Come on. You can come up here too and crowd in around the front, wherever you can find room, whether you, whether you were singing, whether you weren't, if you're a young person, you can come on down here. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through his word.